Hey Rick, would you like to coach more efficiently, be more athlete-centered, led by data, and get some awesome results? Oh, yes. All right, well then Coach Tools is the coaching platform for you. Coach Tools is a coaching platform with all the necessary coaching tools in one place, from planning sessions to caring about your people. It is an easy-to-use platform for coaches, head of coaches, managers, and directors with an athlete-centered approach. With efficient digital tools, you will save your time, improve the quality of your work, and enable you a way to succeed. Rick, why don't you go ahead and tell all the listeners all the benefits they'll get by signing up with Coach Tools? Well, first of all, you will be much more efficient with your practice planning because you can plan it within a couple of clicks. Then um, you can be proactive for your athlete overload with exertion follow-up. Um, what is also very, very beneficial, and that is actually my favorite part about Coach Tools, that you can build closer relationships and better trust with them and get and give feedback through an athlete-centered coaching approach. That's the hallmark of Coach Tools. Um, you understand much more better their moods, their expectations, their values and goals, because after every game, after every practice, they fill out the very, very simple questionnaire and communication is so, so easy. And you can set up cheats and you can set up all the goals and you can follow it up, you can follow it up very, very quick, easily. And then um, this is also very valuable benefit is you enhance the learning of your athletes. You can illustrate drills, content, uh, tactics with the drawing board and you can store it at all one place and you can access this all the time you can share it with your club you can share it with someone else with other coaches and then um, all the information are always available for athletes and the coaches just one click and it's very easy um, it's very easy designed on on top of this there are many many more valuable tools which you can explore when using coach tools yeah, so as Rick said, there's so much more that you can do with Coach Tools. And, and all of our listeners can get a 20% discount on their first year subscription. All you guys need to go is to go to www.coachtools.net. That's www.coachtools.net and click start free trial and just mention that we, we brought you there from the Coach of the podcast. All right. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Road podcast presented by Coach Tools. Today, we are joined by Quinton Bolu for a second time. Uh, Quinton, first of all, thanks a lot for taking the time and joining us here today on the Coaches Road podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good. Excited to be back, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Uh, Derek, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, like, how many notifications are you planning on getting during the episode? <laughs> I will just uh, mute my phone so we constant can concentrate on uh, the most important thing for the next 60 minutes. Good. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we're excited to have Quentin back on. If, if people remember, we had him back a while ago to talk about his his road as a coach um but now all three of us are in norway uh, i'm now working with quentin at yar and or volunteering with quentin at yar um and rick you're in, in oscar about 20 minutes away but quentin how's it been since last time we had you on anything anything new in your in your world and in your, in your coaching uh, a lot of a lot of 
things changed since the last time we spoke. Obviously, getting both you guys over here is one of the bigger changes on the club uh, side. Um, I've made some progress on uh, on the coaching front, starting with the regional team, which I'm sure we'll get uh, back to later. Um, I've also started working on the girls side national team. So I'm working with the U16 girls national team. Uh, and other than that, it's just been continuing what we started in yard, basically. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I want to go into that because you, you had some experience, if I'm correct, in the national program in Belgium as a player. Uh, how's the compare being on the coaching side of the national program in Norway and your experience as a player in a, in a national program? Um, the programs are very different. Uh, it's a, a lot more professional here in Norway. I think strictly from the the different leagues they play in, but I think the the experience for the player or what it meant to me to play for my national team and how I approached it. Um, I think that, that kind of remains the same. So I do believe that my experience as a player being allowed to play for my national team, that definitely helps me in, in, how I approach it nowadays as a coach. Um, also knowing what it's like to, uh, to get together with players you're usually playing against, uh, now having to play together, bonding, um, you know, going, going on a trip together, playing the tournament. I know, I know what the tournaments look like, um, how, how, tough it can be playing games pretty much every single day. Um, so I do believe that I, I have a bit of an advantage there, but you still can't compare um, how, how much more time goes into uh, working with the Norwegian national team compared to what I'm, what I've experienced as a player with the, with the Belgian national team. So, um, yeah, so, I think. So, how, ahead, often, so how often during the season uh, do you get together with the Norwegian national team? How many uh, like seminars do you have with them? How many camps or whatever this is called? Um, last season was, of course, a bit different because we were still a bit plagued by, um, by the pandemic. So we've, we've had to cancel um, a lot of those meetings. This year, uh, we've had two so far, and then in November, there will be the next one. I'm thinking if all goes well, we should have um, four or five meetings before we're going to the 10 Nations Cup. Um, and already there, 
like a meeting is, is usually a full week. That's something that I never experienced with the Belgium national team. That, that'd be more like weekends. But um, Belgium also has come a long way when it comes to um, the selection process for the Belgian national team because they, they start having these uh, week-long development camps as well, just something that they didn't have when, when I was a player. Yeah, so it's interesting because I think Norway's hockey is is small in Norway, but everything that at least we've interacted with so far, or I've interacted with so far, has been quite professional in in the hockey world. And I, I wanted to talk about our experiences in Norway, and Rick and I have only had a short one compared to yours now starting your third year here in the country. But Rick, like, let's start with you. Like early on, what has your experience been with working with the kids in Norway and uh, working with the other coaches, working with the clubs? Uh, just kind of what are your thoughts with that? Well, first of all, uh, um, I'm employed by two clubs. I'm working for Holman and for Asker. So Holman uh, is uh, very, very close to me and Asker is also very close to me. So everything is very close here. But um, so far, my I've been experienced here and now we, what, what day is today? I think we are here, 29th of August. So I've been about, I actually have been here exactly 29 days. And I uh, still feel like that uh, I still, I still need some time to adjust a little bit and to adapt to everything here and to, to really, to really understand how everything, how the setup works here and what I want to do here with, with the players I'm working with and the coaches and the teams and team I'm working with with my team and the other players uh, so this is this is something that's uh, very essential to me and um, you hear very often from other coaches that uh, when they go somewhere else that they say that uh, it takes a lot of time to adapt but you don't uh, actually I feel like that you don't realize uh what goes into this until you go through this process by yourself uh, adapting it's something i enjoy a lot because uh, you you explore different culture here um, different different players different char characters so um i'm 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 really enjoying this stage of adapting right now um, so obviously i've i've started my work and I work with the players and I work with the team and everything. So that's not, <laughs> I don't mean that I don't, I don't work with them, of course. And um, so my, my setup, as I said, is that I have uh, two practice locations. I have my team in Holman and then I have like, uh, I have morning and afternoon nights uh, with players from Holman. Then I have, uh, then I have, uh, I go with from U10 and to U14 once a week and ask on the ice. And then, uh, First day morning, I have morning ice with some. I don't, uh, but they are also somewhere in the age group between U12 and U14 or U13. First day morning on the ice. Uh, so uh, this has been so far. I think uh, it's uh, so far. It has been very, very interesting in terms of working with the Norwegian players because uh, what I uh, what I enjoy working about them is that, for example, on my team is that I have. Uh, a lot of players I'm, I'm coaching U14 this season and a lot of them are still playing football right now uh, next to hockey which is really really cool because some of them they just they come to the rink ahead of football practice and then they 
go uh, hockey. Uh, I also have kids who do bicycling on my team, so they do a lot of uh, a lot of different activities when they're young. And I think uh, the most essential step is then actually uh, helping the group to get together and really forming a process. I mean, really forming around all these individuals with different backgrounds and uh, now I now I know them a little bit really developing uh, some some chemistry in the team and uh, for example next week this actually this weekend we will also go for a trip uh, let's see how this will go and uh, let's see what the result of this will be how about you Derek and uh, Quinton I also would be curious to hear how, how your first few weeks have been in Norway when you moved here even though it's a long time ago but still yeah I think uh, I think I'm excited to hear about your trip next week with Rick that'll be yes. interesting um, yes. you mentioned something though like the the multi-sports with the kids and I think you know Finland's an active country and we all have experience in Finland but I think Norway at least from my experience, hockey is much more of a second sport in Norway. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, Quentin, you feel like that's a fair thing to say, but, you know, with longer experience here in this country, how has that been, um, how has that felt for you? Like, how has been kind of the, the focus on hockey and the, the multi-sport of the athletes? Yeah. Um, I think if you see what uh, the country has to offer for kids or um, the way you have all these after-school programs, especially here in our area too. Um, you know, you hear that kids go to school, they get picked up, dropped off at the ski slopes, they, they go skiing, come straight to hockey practice after, you know, coach, I might be a bit late, I'm coming straight from skiing. And others are, as Rick says, in the midst of a football season and um, handball is a pretty big sport. You've got you know, everybody's skiing just for fun, uh, cross country, that is. And um, it's a very active country. In terms of ice hockey, I think it also depends on um, the region where you're living, how, how great that is in, in certain areas. The area where you and I are in, Derek, is used to be a bandy area. So bandy was big here and still is i think stabeg bandy is the biggest club in the country and and um they're pretty dominant from what i hear at least um but for norway as a whole i think we've discussed this a bit and, and rick you've mentioned that that you've noticed that as well um norway has some extremely skilled hockey players yes. um that, that might be lacking a bit of game sense uh, yeah. sometimes. And I think part of that is, uh, you know, if you look at the, the under 20 national team games this last weekend in Oscar, really good hockey, mm -hmm. uh, very good team. But in the stands, it's, it's pretty much empty. You know, a, a game like that, young kids in the area should be, it's a free game, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like players in our club at least don't even know that it's happening. So maybe that's something that needs to be promoted better. But as a whole, I feel like there's a lot less watching hockey 
Mm-hmm. Um, compared to what I experienced in Finland, for example, everybody everybody watches SM Liga or if the national team plays and and it's in, in your area, you go and watch people. Everything revolves a bit more around this one sport being ice hockey, and that's a bit less in Norway, I think. Um, so I, I do believe that part of game understanding, game sense, comes from just oh, yeah. watching the game. Yeah. Um, and if you've never seen it being played on a high level, how, how do you expect the kids to... Uh, to start playing it at a very high level. So I, there is a bit of a set, like you said, Derek, to come back to your original question. I think to many, it is a bit of a secondary sport and to some it is their main sport, but still not to a degree where they're, um, they're following all of the games that are being played in Norway or even, even international series. Yeah. And you look at like a, an under 20s game in the US or the uh, or in Canada and, you know, it's standing room only when they play, even if it's just a friendly. And, um, you know, you've got NHL arenas sold out for those for those games. And it's really um, a big difference. And even in the US, where it's probably the fourth or fifth most popular sport, it's still just numbers wise a lot easier for for kids to access um, for those for those events. And Rick, to go back to your question, my experience in Norway um, has been uh, pretty, pretty fun. I think it's been, it's been a great start and working with a lot of really cool people and getting a lot of really cool opportunities. And um, I think one thing that really has stood out to me is how, I don't want to say it's been easier, but how quickly we've built, relationships with the athletes i think some of the athletes are really outgoing and really excited to to interact with the coaches and um i think that's partly due to like with the pelicans the last couple years it's a it's a massive club and it has like eight or nine facilities throughout throughout latte so it's like you know you interact with your players but you don't really interact with the whole club ever um and so I think the the difference here is that we are, I think, the second biggest club in Norway at Yar, but we only have one and a half rinks in one building. And so no matter what, you're interacting with kids from all the age groups, from all the teams uh, every day. And a lot of the kids live at the rink. They're, they're constantly here. Um, they're here more than we are, which is um, not, you know, I'm here like 12 hours a day. So it's like, that's impressive. Um, but it's really, it's really cool to see that. And it's really, um, it's really cool to see how quickly they like to interact and, um, you know, joke around and, and stuff like that. And especially players that aren't on the teams I'm mainly responsible for. Um, and I, I want to ask you, Quentin, cause like comparing Finland to Norway in that sense, of course, the English is a lot better here. Um, with the kids, it wasn't that bad in Finland, but here it's just, it's very natural for a lot of the kids. Um, so how has that relationship building process been for you? Because I, I feel like you have a good relationship with every kid you interact with in this building. Yeah, um, the language for sure um, 
helps. It's amazing how how well uh, the kids here speak English already at a very young age. Um, so that helps. But at the same time, it's just such a small community in a way. So you you meet them pretty much everywhere you go. You know, we the kids the kids that come to this camp or our, our camps in Yar are, are all the kids that we already know. And then I, I organize or the way you've seen like last weekend um, when we organized the regional team meeting, you know, most of those kids you've already seen in, in some rink in a camp or so the community is a bit smaller and um, you know, I think, I think kids, they interact with each other. They, they say, I went to a camp in, in Yacht and, you know, had a, had a good, had a good time with this coach. And then more kids come in and they kind of know you from their friends. And it's, it's just been really quite easy. The kids are very eager here, um, enthusiastic and, and very outgoing the way you said. So I've experienced a very similar thing that it's, it is, it has just been easy um, building that relationship, and I feel um, I feel the same way. And whether I work with NTG over in, in Asker or or when I'm working with the girls' side on the national team, um, it's just been very easy to to interact, and I think. You know, in Finland, it's not like it, it was that different. I've had good relationships with players there as well, but there the language really formed uh, a bit of a barrier, especially in, in Kovala. I feel like English wasn't um, as easy for every single player. You know, there were a couple players that, um, compared to others, really spoke English very well and my relationship to those players obviously um, they were easier to, to form a connection with compared to players who maybe weren't as fluent um, so there was always a little bit of a distance to those players um, so it's a very recognizable uh, thing you're saying here yeah, yeah Rick how's it been an Oscar in terms of what and just with the players, like how, like compared to uh, how it was to interact with and, and build a relationship with the players. Uh, something, uh, that is, um, something that is something that I had on my mind right now. So when both you and Quentin were talking, um, again, my team is uh, in Holman. So, uh, and of course, I'm, I'm employed by both clubs. Uh, but uh, the, yesterday we had our first preseason game, actually, against Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I like that, by the way, Rick. Yeah. What was the what was the final score? Well, we lost nine six. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, you might not yeah. have a job tomorrow. What? You might not have a job tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be fired. I actually got the message already. My contract is. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, they stepped away, but uh, it's okay. No, um, no. Um, overall, um, what something that is. What I really like about the players I have here, uh, and maybe that's also because uh, last season I was working with our academia team, and I definitely had some very 
good kids there as well. But um, I feel that the, the players I have here, that the, a lot of them, uh, they're extremely curious and they really, really want to get better. Uh, because, for example, yesterday on the bench, one of the kids uh, was telling me he was uh, playing as a defenseman and uh, he was telling me on the bench that uh, Rick, I have issues with when I'm at the blue line uh, with getting the puck quickly off my of my blade. Uh, I need to improve this. I said, yeah, okay, uh, thanks for the information. We can work on this. And uh, like, but then they when when we do something in practice, for example, uh, uh, when we when we work on cutbacks, for example, recently we did, and then. The kids come to me and they really want to know that how do I actually need to do this movement? And then they ask me, hey, can you watch me? Can you give me feedback? Can you film me? Can I see myself? Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of like uh, coaching these kids is uh, very, it's extremely exciting because uh, actually you can, be, you can be much more the coach you maybe want to be with the players and you can much more work around your philosophy, uh, which is really, really good. And you can uh, also with them, as I said, you can work around your philosophy and the curiosity piece helps a lot. And uh, you can really see that the majority of the kids that they, and it doesn't matter if hockey is their second sport, they really want to get better. Um, also the goalie yesterday, I asked him, hey, how did you feel during the game? Because... <laughs> Probably it wasn't the easiest day for him yesterday. Uh, and uh, he said, yeah, actually, I felt pretty good, but I, I need to get better at my at my blocking side. And uh, I hear very often from my kids that I need to get better at this. I need to get better at this. And uh, I, I really like this mindset. And at the same time, they are extremely eager uh, as well to develop and uh, super intrinsically driven, the team that I have uh, right now. The majority of the players, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's something definitely, um, it's definitely something um, something that I that I really really appreciate. Uh, so that's something I enjoy a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting because, and in, we have two different setups. I think between. Um, Holman for your U14 and, and here at Yar, like here at Yar, we have um, just the age groups, they practice together and we have kind of a mix of motivation levels. And we mm -hmm. have like half of the players that are, or I would say maybe three fourths of the players that are ambitious and really want to get, you know, better. And then we have a few on each age group that they, they just want to be there for fun. And so mm -hmm. I think that it's a, an interesting challenge for us in mixing that and making sure everyone's motivation is met every night at practice. And, but it is really cool to see, like, even the players that are there just for fun, they, they still take some responsibility for the practice and they still take it well. Like I remember my, my first practice last week with the 08 group, uh, I ran three stations. I was the only coach on the ice and the other two stations, the players had to do by themselves. And, they knew them and they, they ran them and they, they worked hard. And by the end of the practice, they were exhausted. So I think that like that right away um, showed me that they can take on, you know, a little bit more responsibility and it's still, you know, it wasn't like perfect, but um, they wanted to do it and they, they, 
felt like they could. Um, but it is interesting to to manage those kind of motivation levels, I would say. Um, and I, I don't know, like, how, how has that been for you the last couple of years? Because I think that that is, it's an important part of youth sports that every motivation level has a place to be. And it's an interesting setup here at YAR where the most, the most ambitious have to be with the, the, you know, just for fun place and they both have a place to be. It's, um, it's a very interesting, of course, we as a, as a club, our philosophy is, is to have a place for everyone interested in hockey, hockey and activity. Um, and by doing that, we've grown out to be the second biggest club in Norway because we're not, you know, we're not strictly interested in the most ambitious and, and competition and, and winning games, but we're trying to offer, um, trying to offer a program for everybody uh, who wants to be a part of the club. Now, it has been, it has been very interesting to see those interactions between the just for fun kids and maybe the most ambitious mm. but at the same time i've seen players go from the just for fun kid to suddenly something switches and and they become extremely ambitious and they start making huge progress and now they're in the mix for 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 the a team and and, the, and are part of the most ambitious kids so it's and that's what we've been discussing all along like you can't make a, a decision based on skill level too early we've been we've been trying to keep kids around uh, around long enough for exactly that to happen you know they might just one one week wake up and be like you know what i'm going to give this a try and and all of a sudden they're making very fast progress and um and then we have or or that's our job is that if that happens we have the right offer for them um and we've discussed a player earlier this week you and i that we know him very well he's he's here he works hard but for him it's it's just fun and it'll remain just fun for him uh, and I think it's great that we have an offer for those kids as well, yeah. without it interfering with um, with the program we have for the most ambitious. Um, I think at the end of the day, if we can give the most ambitious kids the opportunity they deserve to to develop themselves to the best of their ability, because a big part of it, as, as you just mentioned, is that we try to give them a lot of responsibility in their own development. And a lot of it has to come from them, but we're trying to give them all the tools and, and, and the environment for that to happen. And as long as um, those kids that are here more, you know, for, for fun and, and for the love of the sport, as long as that doesn't interfere with, um, with our call it competitive stream, mm. uh, I see no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. I think 
I think it's really it's a, it's a it's a good balance, right? Like we have to like it has to be a good balance. You can't lean too heavily into the the kids that want to make it a career, and then you can't lean too heavy into the kids that just want to do it for exercise. And I think that that you brought up the responsibility piece. I I think it puts a lot of a lot more responsibility on the kids that want to make it a career because you know we can provide a challenging environment for them and provide them all the necessary tools to advance in the game but you know they're still go- just because of the the mixture of our of our groups i feel like we still have to help them grab a hold of that you know like we can put it in front of them but it has to it has to kind of be their hand that reaches out and grab it for themselves and i think that that's a good thing to be honest i, I think if it's just if we just focused on the competitive age groups or sorry the competitive players that want to make it a career and we completely design the environment all the way around them it might be too easy for them you know like it might not be it might not develop that internal motivation it might not develop that that need to get better no matter what we're doing in practice what we're doing off the ice um, and things like that so i think that that's cool i'm excited to see this year how how the kids in my groups develop through kind of the, the mix that we have. And it's really interesting because they've played together for six, seven, eight years, depending on what age group they're in. Um, they know all of the players and they, they've been practicing with them for years. And so that also creates an interesting dynamic because they know the motivation of each player. They know the skill level of each player and everything. So it is, it is a challenge, but it is kind of like a, it's an exciting challenge for me because you, you, it challenges you as a coach to create an environment for everybody. Um, and I think that's where like the, the single team model, like in like what you have in Holman, Rick, it's, oh. it's a bit different, right? Because you have kids that are pretty much the same motivation level. If I'm, if I'm right. Well, I wouldn't, of course, there, of course the difference is uh, in them because uh, we have, uh, all, we also have different types of players. Or different types of motivational different type of motivations in our team and uh yeah right now we have uh, only in my age group we have only one team um it was planned to have two teams but uh, some players they stopped playing because they think they pursued other sports so that's why this was not possible uh, but uh, what i meant with this previously even though the the kids who are maybe not mainly interested in ice hockey yet are still seeking really to get better at what we are practicing and there is a really really good uh, foundation in terms of uh, motivation regardless of the sports uh, that's that's the point i actually yeah. Made. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think- then of course we have a i have a huge uh, i have uh, players uh, who are extremely driven and to are totally dialed into hockey already and uh, I talk with them a lot about hockey and uh, I ask them what kind of games they watch and everything and then I have players who who as well uh, maybe enjoy hockey but uh, maybe uh, right now their motivation is to have a second sport to not only concentrate on one sport yeah yeah, I think it's um, 
I, I want to go back to something that, that Quentin said, like the, the growth of YAR, because YAR is the second biggest club in Norway, as we mentioned a couple times. But the rink is only nine years old. I think it was built in 2013, and yeah. the club is eight or nine years old. I'm not quite sure how old it is at this point, but it's only had full-time employees for four years. So you know a little bit more about the history of the club than I do at this point, but how has that growth been? And, and how did you go from, like, how has it gone from not a club 10 years ago to the, the second biggest club in Norway? Um, and what are kind of the, how have you grown the hockey community and yeah, yeah. It's important to note that I haven't been a part of that entire growth from the beginning, but um, but I I heard the stories and it it started off really small. They opened the rink, they had a, a little skating school, and that was the skating school back then was for the 2007 born players. Mm -hmm. um, that's our oldest competitive age group right now, U uh, 16s. Um, but everything was completely parent driven and, um, you know, just people in the area that were curious started taking their kids to the rink and, and they, you know, they tried all volunteers tried to set something up for kids to interact with. And they've, they've built a, a very solid community from the ground up. Um, and I would say ever since, um, since Knut Henrik came in and I came in, paid employees for the club. What we've been trying to do is to um, to cherish that community and really from the ground up, uh, we've been putting a lot of effort into the skating school. We see that as uh, one of the most important projects, if not the most important project we have as a club. So our skating school is, is um, it's grown massively and it's, it's, it's almost too, it almost became too big, um, for us to host it properly. So we've had to split it up a little bit, but, um, I think the, the success on the growth of the club really comes from, um, from the bottom up is that we take care of, or we try to take care of every single individual, um, from the skating school. We want every kid to feel seen, to feel part of, of the club, to, to want to come back every single session um, and really instilling the love for the sport, but also the love for the community. Like you said, there's kids that hang around this ring more than we do. They're here always. Um, and that's, that's what we're trying to um, to plant uh, the seed of, you know, just going to the rink, not necessarily to practice, but being at the rink, being at the outdoor rink, hanging out here, um, come and watch games from different age groups. Um, that's, that's a big part of what this club is, is built on is a community of, you know, it's a meeting place. The rink parents love to come here, have their coffee, meet up. Um, and that, that kind of um, comes back to what you've been saying is, you know, you can set the environment and you can have a world-class program, but 
end of the day, it's it's how you interact with that program. And then we see we see sometimes players leave and um, you know thinking that the grass is greener on the other side and that that a more competitive um, club that is only focused on the most ambitious is is best suited for them and sometimes it is but many times you see that they'll leave thinking that another program will will work out better but if you don't interact properly with with that program then uh, it isn't going to get you any further and we see it on the on the regional team as well and this could be a good segue to to go a bit deeper into that but um very different clubs represented in our region and you know every club brings forth a couple guys or one guy that that somehow stands out mm -hmm. even though there's very different environments and that really is just how those kids have interacted with with whatever environment was presented to them um and and we were surprised about some kids from some clubs that we thought you know not sure if there's a lot there and all of a sudden they show up and they're they offer some some pretty good hockey players um and that's just a good example and it's same on the national team that every every program can pretty much bring forth uh a good hockey player um so it's a good it's a good argument to you know it's it's not necessarily we try to organize a world-class program but it will have to be the player that interacts with it that's going to yeah. be the end product or that's going to ensure the end product it, it's not because we have um a world-class program that it's a guarantee to success yeah and I think that that's been said a lot in coaching. And I think on our podcast a couple of times that like creating the environment is the most important thing that we can do as a coach. And the environment is supposed to make it as easy for the player as possible to, to find their success, but you still can't force success on a player. Like, and, and it, it might just be that, you know, like hockey is not where they want to succeed. Like some of our players that you are, like they want to succeed in other areas of life. And then it's about, you know, how do we make the environment for them that helps them succeed in those areas and keeps them engaged in hockey, you know, the long enough and, and teach them things beyond hockey. And so I think that that is a really important point. Like you can't, you can help build the internal motivation, but you can't, you know, you, you can't make a kid play in the NHL. No one can. It's how they interact with the environment that you create for them. And, um, you, you did bring up the regional team. And before we get into Rick and I's experience in that on Saturday, but um, kind of just explain what that is, what the purpose of that is, and um, kind of what your, your role in that is this year. Yeah. So... Um... This would be my second season as a head coach of the region. Um, our region being Beacon West. Um, and quite simply, 
if I had to describe what I have to do is for the U15s, so this year that's 2008 borns, every region and um, they're divided into six, there's six regions in, in the country. Every region will um, organize events. Um, and I think by the time April comes around, every team will have picked uh, their regional team with the, with the best players of your region. And then they go and they play, um, they play the regional tournament. So uh, the six regions all go head to head and um, every region plays every region. And then there's a, an end um, ranking. And that final weekend for the for big part serves as a good scouting opportunity for the first step into the uh, national team school. So the first uh, organized national team that Norwegian Federation has is the U16s. So ideal platform to, to come and watch the best players that will be eligible for the U16s national team the year after. Um, so that's pretty much the gist of, of what we do. Um, and I've had that for the first time last year. That was my first experience. And um, again, still a bit plagued by the pandemic. A lot of it has been canceled. So it was a very rushed process, hmm. but a very cool experience to be a part of. And um, it got me thinking a lot about the opportunities within the, within the regional team, um, sure. which we can get into more later but that's pretty much the gist of what the regional team is as of right now yeah yeah and um on saturday we rick and i had our first event for that because we're going to be your your assistant coaches for the the regional team this year and um that event if i can say it was just kind of an open tryout right and, and um some some scouting and some some player evaluation and, and things like that and um i i've been to a couple events with with usa hockey and i always ask the coaches there like how do you evaluate players what kind of system do you use and and stuff like that so it's kind of exciting for me to get to put some of those to use on saturday um i haven't really been too much so far in, a, in an environment where i've had to evaluate players so that's something i'm i'm really interested in this year like growing that aspect of my coaching and being able to, um, you know, assess where players are at and kind of what, what do they bring to a regional team when they're playing with their home club, when they're playing, you know, in our practices and stuff like that we'll have throughout the year. Um, so that was a, a really good first experience to see. I think it was about 50 kids from, from our region and just playing three on three for, I think we were there for five hours or something like that. So um, lots of hockey and, and lots of goals. And um, I do feel a little bit bad for the goalies that were there that day. But um, besides that, it was a, it was a nice event. Um, Rick, what was your, what are you looking forward to for that? And how was your, how was your experience on Saturday? Oh, well, first of all, I, the experience on Saturday, the first thing I, what I really like about this process is that 
every kid can sign up for this so that every kid uh, so technically regardless of where they're at right now can come and present themselves and that they have a chance actually to go there and show themselves that's something i'm i think it's a it's very very valuable uh, because i think this is also an important aspect of actually for the motivation piece so there might be kids who are really really motivated with playing hockey but maybe uh, they are late bloomers but for them this is a this is a very very important event so and that's why uh that's for them a motivational piece why they want to stay in hockey even though they maybe not get selected at some point anymore but everyone has the chance to participate in this event i think that's a uh, I think that's a very, very, um, in terms of developing and growing the sports, a very, very good way of doing it um, as well and keeping the motivation up. And my experience was that uh, I've never done any kind of anything like this, so any scouting, for example. And I think the most well, let's speak about first about Saturday. I think, as you said as well, that. Uh, so first of all, um, the setup was that um, <clears throat> there were two games going on at the same time, and so four teams were playing. So and uh, so, really making I think the most challenging piece here is that really making sure to get a good look at every player, uh, what they actually do, uh, how they play, uh, what happens with them everything uh, so i think that's the most challenging piece because if you have two games going on and uh, four teams playing at the same time and really having like also specific notes about the player that when you read the note i actually remember about the player specifically the specific actions so i think that's something that's uh, very very challenging and i think it's an amazing experience to actually needing and to be in the situation where you have to scout players uh, because that's uh, something totally new and as you said as well that uh, you need to assess players and something that's um, that very excites me about this uh, is that uh, that uh, we actually uh, need to talk a lot about the players and I think this will be very beneficial for coaching and that we actually need to that uh, that we need to constantly keep an eye on the players and maybe go to some regions and uh, watch some practices, watch some games. And I think it's a very, very interesting responsibility. And I think it's, uh, I think this is very good because uh, you actually learn how to, how to keep, how to keep track about a lot of players at the same time. And I think this is something uh, very, very useful for the future in general and i think it will help massively with in terms of evaluating players and you never know what happens but it will also help because at the end of the day we will need to pick a team uh, for that re re will represent the region in april at the tournament and then really making sure that you pick the players that suit the team in the way 
how you want that the team is represented. I think that's uh, something very, very essential. And uh, not only as all three of us know, and a lot of people in the hockey community, the, of course, the hockey piece is very important, but uh, we care, as, as, as Quinton also said to them in the locker room, that we keep track of the players, that we really want to know what kind of person they are as well, because we want to, at the end of the day, I think the goal is to have to go there with a regional team that represents the region with the right mindset and with the right values as well. So, And show some proud and uh, that they actually from a from a that they have characteristics that you want to see in kids that are playing in a regional team i think that's very important yeah yeah i, I think so too and, and i want to just finish with with this part of the regional team because it's kind of cool that we get to have a lot of influence on how that team is shaped and and kind of what events that team has throughout the the season and things like that so Quentin kicking it to you like what what is your vision for that team this year and and what are you kind of hoping that the the season looks like for for this group of OAs yeah I think um, Rick already mentioned it a bit but we we start with what they call polar bear gatherings they're open open for anyone to come and join and show themselves and be a part of it. And everybody gets a t-shirt um, from the regional team. You know, you don't have to be selected to get that. It's again, sort of building this community within the region that um, sure we all play in our own clubs, but we're also all part of something bigger being a region. And that then later translates into or transitions into, you know, we're part of, something bigger being the national team um for the tournament in april is a competitive tournament so once we're there of course we play to win um but the way i see it we we have a responsibility towards um, the U60 national team in preparing players as good as possible to what it means to be a part of of, of something like that and um, more or less the way Rick mentioned the values and um, the way the way you act um, in one of those teams so of course after this weekend, we could we could cut down to uh, a very tight selection of players and start working on our power play and break up <laughs> to try and and win that tournament. But it's better to keep a bigger part um, of those players along for the ride to have as much reach as possible. Um, have players, you know really motivate them to take the next step to really work hard for it um this last weekend i think you know we've seen kind of what we have to work with and of course we have to set kind of a minimum like you you have to have at least this level to in you um but that's just to to sort of set a standard 
Um, and from there, I think the most important thing still with this, um, with this group is to just teach them the discipline, um, being a good teammate, what that means. It's, it's not about us teaching them a system or a breakout that's going to win us this tournament, but what it means to, uh, to travel with players that are, again, like I said in the start of this uh, podcast, players that you usually play against, now all of a sudden you guys are representing something that's bigger than your own club. Yeah. Uh, and building a team together um, and then going out and, and having a, a good tournament. And, and that's what I meant with, I think we have a responsibility towards the following U16 team to really teach them the values of uh, being a good teammate and preparing them for the the national team school um and what i or the way i see it i think tobias has done fantastic job setting up the national team school to what it is now mm. um and they have full control over the norwegian system from u16 and up i think everything before that should be in a very similar fashion, the the region's responsibility. And that's not there right now. Mm. But it's it's like you said earlier, if you if you look at the the Pelicans, how how massive that is, um, and how that all works, I think you could look at the 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 region as almost a bit like the umbrella system that you have in Finland, mm. but instead club level would we would have it on a regional level yeah. and if you have full-time employees in the region that can travel to the different clubs and and show them you know be present in those clubs help those coaches out uh and and set up uh a framework for those clubs to interact and 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 really set up relationships between the clubs which i think we're now starting to get there with er holman uh oscar youtube people are starting to talk a lot more in the region and between clubs and helping each other out we're not there yet i think there's still a lot of uh to cover but <laughs> <laughs> We're on the we're on the right track, definitely, and that's a bit where where I envision this thing going is that right now um, our job with the regional team is is to take care of those 2008 born players and um, and then find a team to go play the tournaments. But I think it's more than that. I think it's uh, I think it's also building relationships between the club getting to know uh getting to know the players in different clubs the coaches in different clubs and and building a new community that people can be proud of being a part of being the the regional team yeah yeah i think it's it's very exciting to to see what's possible with it and, and see where it will go and not just this year but you know, down the line, what, what it'll grow into. And that's what's exciting about 
Norway for me in general is, you know, it's kind of right where the beginning is for becoming a, a true like hockey country, in my opinion. You know, like it's, I feel like it's about to um, really take a, a step and, and kind of really become like a Finland, like a Sweden, like a, um, a Germany kind of thing where it's a smaller country, but it's, it's now becoming, you know, a, one of the hockey countries. Um, so it's going to be exciting to be here for, you know, uh, hopefully at least the, the next like five years. So I don't want to put a limit on, on when I'm going to be leaving or whatever, but, um, yeah, it's an exciting time to be here for sure. And, and what's happening in the, um, federation in the, in the regional level and, and who's influencing that kind of stuff and, um, the experience that they're bringing into, to Norway and the, the knowledge they're bringing into Norway for hockey is, is quite exciting and it's perfect. Um, I think that it, that because Rick's phone is, is now not muted anymore, it's a perfect sign that we're here our hour. So, um, I it again. <laughs> um, no, we'll, we'll start with some notifications from Rick's phone and we'll end with some notifications from Rick's phone. But really quickly, before we leave from Quentin, just anything else you want to mention? Anything um, kind of final thoughts on your head? Or um, did we cover it with this kind of... Uh... No, I think I think we covered it well. It was nice to catch up with you guys. And um, I, I remember in a podcast you guys had with Tobias, um, I think at the start of him taking on Norway. Uh, I remember him speaking about his plans and his philosophy and, and then mentioning that, you know, he just needs, he just needs the right people to, to execute. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, as you said, I think Norway is, is, is an exciting place to be right now. And, and you guys coming over here, um, and hopping in on that is is exactly what we need is like you said we just need the right people in the right places to that that are passionate about this and and that want to work together on moving this forward so I, i'm really happy to have you guys over here and looking forward to more chats yeah as long as the government will have me i'll be here yeah <laughs> All right, Rick, anything else from you? No, I don't have anything else. Uh... Perfect. So um, if anyone's still listening, um, not going to have an outro today um, because we're already late with the episode. And we apologize about that, but busy first week of the season for all of us um, and busy first weekend of the season for all of us. So a um, couple hours late, but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Quentin. And, and Quentin, thanks again for joining um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time on another episode of the Coaches Road Podcast presented by Coach Tools. Thanks. Bye.